Well, good morning and a Christian greeting to uh, <coughs> everyone, and welcome to uh, this part of the service as well. I uh, have a, a message to share this morning that I've been, uh, I guess, thinking about for uh, quite a long time since I didn't use it when I had it ready. So it seemed like I was able to uh, persuade the Lord that I wanted to use it. And uh, so this morning I would like to begin with uh, an uh, apology. And uh, one of the, the apology that I'd like to make is that when I uh, preached on Communion Sunday, I told the story about the little boy that stole the lunch and how that, uh, if you remember the story, the I said that the uh, misquoted the story and I said that the little boy got uh, a whipping uh, before the, the big Tom did and that was a mistake. The little boy did not get a whipping because Big Tom came before he got a whipping and asked whether he could take his place. So I want to uh, make that right. I'm sorry for the misquotation there. Then uh, also, this morning I would like to ask you the question then, whose lunch are you stealing or have you stole? A lunch is, is something that, if you steal lunch, you're stealing something that belongs to someone else. And how many times have you stolen glory that should have gone to someone else, or honor that should have gone to God, and you took that, or I took that honor to ourselves? That's the serious question that we want to ask ourselves this morning. So as you see on your bulletin, the uh, title of the uh, message, and uh, I would like to take it from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. So if you would turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, We were reading in our devotional time at home and out of the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it calls us to a life of holiness and uh, being sanctified. And then the Apostle Paul goes and says something like this in chapter 4. He that resisteth Resisteth not man. He that resisteth holiness. Resisteth not man, 
but you resist God. So holiness is not something that men can give us. It's something that only God can give to us. In this particular passage then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a number of things that I would like to talk about in this uh, chapter. And I have read this book and this chapter. I, uh, I'm not going to say how many times, but I have read it over and over and over again. And I believe the Lord has shown me something that I have been dealing with for, for uh, years in my own life. And I want to uh, try to bring out what the Lord has revealed to me. And by saying that, I am not saying that I have knowledge above anyone else. But it's some of the things that I've had to deal with, and, and uh, the Lord has shown me a number of things. Chapter 12, verse 1, reads as following. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Or in other words, I would not have you to be without understanding or to be misinformed of something. I would not have you ignorant. Or, or yeah, let's go on to verse 2. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Now the, the uh, Corinthians were Gentile people. And before they were born again, they lived in a pagan society. So this pagan society, or the pagan uh, lifestyle, had really become... Uh, had really influenced their life. And so they brought this pagan lifestyle into the church. And I believe that that is one of the biggest things that Paul is trying to teach these Corinthian people. That paganism does not glorify God. And God wants, when we become born again, children of God, God has a whole new spectrum for us. A whole new outlook on life and, and what he wants in and through our lives. So he wants to really transform us. Okay, so he goes on in chapter, verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now when he talks about uh, no man can say that, that uh, Jesus is accursed, that accursed would be, they would curse someone to hang on a tree. Everyone that was cursed was 
crucified or they hung him on a tree, as the book of Galatians tells us. So no man speaking by the Spirit of the Lord can do that. They call Jesus accursed like the Jews did. They blasphemed him. They mocked him. They, did, they hung him on the tree. They hung him on the cross. They said, crucify him, crucify him. And so Paul was saying that no man speaking by the Spirit of God can do these things to the Lord Jesus Christ. What they did to the Lord Jesus Christ comes from a pagan background or, or philosophy or idea. And so Paul was just trying to correct some of these things. Then he goes on to say, now then, in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of gifts that God has given to his body, the church. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And here he goes into detail concerning the Trinity. And, and, and number one is, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there, the same Spirit. Differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. The, the same God, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are working in unison or are working as the Trinity uh, in this uh, particular chapter. Then verse 7, but the manifestation, the manifestation, when you manifest something, you reveal. It's, it's not concealed anymore after it's revealed. The manifestation is the work of the Spirit, giving it through the body, as he'll go on to explain in this particular chapter, how that one body does, one part of the body does one thing, but they all work together. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or, or the ear, or they're talking to one another and say, I don't need you. I can make it on my own. And just like th there are people today that say that I don't need the church. I don't need to go there. I don't need all this, this fighting and begging that they have in the churches. I can make it on my own. That's not what God says. It is not what God says. As, as we will... Uh, see later on in this. Then in verse 8, for, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. And I think this word of wisdom is, is uh, you know, I, I think these gifts are not for the, the edification of one person by itself. But the gifts are given for the edification of the whole group. Everybody is to be 
inspired or is inspired. To one is given the word of wisdom, and I think this wisdom, the Bible says that the people are wise that can explain the plan of salvation or salvation. And so I think what, what the uh, word of wisdom is here, one that can, can go deep into the scriptures and explain the plan that God has for the church. It, it's, for that person, it makes it easy for him to talk about the, uh, the uh, salvation of God. And when he talks, people are inspired, he or she. That they are inspired. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit. One has the word of knowledge, deep insight uh, uh, that he has gleaned, and, and he help, helps other people as he gives testimony. As we have praise and worship, people give testimony. You know, sometimes it's, it's such an inspiration that we can be discouraged. We can come to church uh, Sunday morning. Maybe we learn something through singing, devotional, or, or the Sunday school, or in time of uh, sharing, when people share something. You can almost pick out the gift that people have. Now, when people have the, the, the spirit of wisdom or knowledge, you know, it'll help us to rise up above the difficulties that we have in life and, be, and become encouraged. That's how it ministers to everyone in the body. We do that because we don't keep it to ourselves. It, help us, it helps when we share with the body the things that God has given to us. Now, to some people, it doesn't seem like much, but because of the gift that God has put within that person, he or she ministers to the rest of the people. And somehow, you just rise up with wings above those trials and temptations and testings that you had uh, through the week. Verse 9. To another faith. Now we think, oh, a person that has faith, uh, you know, he can just say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it's removed. Well, the person that expresses or talks that has faith, that faith reaches out to everyone. And this, this one really makes us rise up and soar like eagles. You know, up there above all the trials and things, we kind of forget those things because of the encouragement that we have received from someone that shared. Or maybe those gifts are, are uh, also manifested through the ministry that God has uh, uh, given to the church. To another, the faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the same Spirit. To someone that has the gift of, of healing, when someone is anointed or, or someone is prayed for healing, there is something that just works in his heart. He is just so inspired when people have faith that they're going to be healed. It's so inspiring. It's so God-felt with, within the body. And people rise up and they give testimony. Yeah, last Sunday I was prayed for. Last Sunday I was anointed and God did this or God did that. And it's, it's just such an inspiration and an uplifting 
for the body. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. And I, I don't know for sure. I, I am not able to tell you what your gift is. I don't know. I don't even know for sure what my gift is. But I think I can tell you, I think I can tell you what my wife's gift is. You know, because, you know, we can come to church and uh, as we go home, going home or are at home, she'll say, you know what I really think this person was saying? Or I, I think maybe there was something wrong with that testimony or there was this or that, you know. She can freely dis- discern it when I am still struggling. What did they mean, you know? You know, so I don't know. She may have the gift of discernment. To another, diverse kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. I don't think that we should, should covet someone's gift or or wish that we had a certain gift. But I think we need to understand that God gives to each person as he will. It's not my choice. God gave it. It's God given. So, what, uh, uh, how do we function in here? And then he goes on to talk about about being baptized in the spirit, about uh, being a part of, of the body. And he talks about by one spirit are we all baptized into the body. And then he also talks about uh, different things that we receive at this particular new birth. When you are baptized with the spirit, you become born again. I don't think that he's talking about a person that is born again and then later on he receives the Spirit or the baptism of the Spirit. I think that's a wrong, a wrong um, teaching on, on what 1 Corinthians 12 is teaching us here. Okay, let's skip on down to uh, verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now I, I think just like my wife came home Wednesday evening, and she was so encouraged by the ladies' meeting and the things that Mary Beth uh, shared on forgiveness and, and just different things, you know. She was just really encouraged by the ladies' meeting. And here it says that he gave some apostles, and I think some of these things were given in the beginning of the church, and they may not be necessary in our time today. God has set some in the church, First apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers, 
And I, I think people have the gift of teaching. And I think other people can try to, but the, the inspiration you do not get as you do from somebody that has the gift of teaching. And I think we should be wise enough when we vote and things like that to kind of understand who has the gift of teaching and who does not. If we know people and if we're listening and trying to receive from God, we will know the ones that have this uh, gift like that. So that when voting time comes, we don't vote someone in just because they haven't been doing anything for a long time. You know, yeah, that shouldn't be said of anybody. They just haven't been doing anything for a long time because we should all be doing something and there is something that we can all do. It says here the gift of uh, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing and helps. Uh, helps is, is maybe s uh, one of the gifts that we don't think about so much. You know, it's not, yeah, well, that's, it's not really something. Not everybody wants to go over and help Mel and fix her porch. But you know, that may be the gift of helps. It may be something that you can do. And you can do it well. And, and by the way, we should go and help the widows. As well as anybody else in the church. Helps. Governments. Diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of, of uh, miracles? And the reason that he asked is because it's given in the Greek form. And the Greek gives, gives us the idea, it asks a question so that you will have to answer it. And the answer is a positive no. Not everyone has all these things. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now this is where I'd like to bring in this thought that the Apostle Paul seems to be telling us that uh, there's a difference between what is good, what is better, and what is best. Now, when we become born again, I think that most people do not have a problem with choosing between good and evil. I can easily decide what is evil. See those things. I, I don't want to waste my time drinking because it's an evil thing. Or I don't want to get involved in a lot of things that are evil. I know good from evil. But another person said that the Christian's choices that he makes is more related to what is good, what is better, and what is best. And so he goes into chapter 13. And chapter 13 is not just a masterpiece of, of uh, literature. I think he's setting, it, he's setting it in the middle of chapter 12 and 14 for a reason. And so we come along and we, we have this going on. You know what that is? The Apostle Paul said it's a tinkling symbol. 
Do you know, did you get the message that it has? What are you supposed to do with that message? Nobody understood it, except some of us parents. We can understand something like that because the children go into the kitchen cabinet and they get these pots and pans out and they're making all kinds of noise and it almost drives us wild, I should say. Quiet down. We need some quietness in this house. But children are just playing. So, Now I want to go back to this thing of, of tongues. It seems like tongues was a very big issue in the, in the church in Corinthians. And these, this Corinthian church was, they gloried in, in the gifts that they had. They want to show off their gifts, and I think they were stealing God's lunch. They were doing it to bring glory to themselves. And that's stealing the lunch. That's stealing the glory that only belongs to God. There's nothing good in us that, that we can make ourselves shine and be glorified. That all belongs to God, and rightfully so. So the, the Apostle Paul is saying, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you, a more excellent way, and that word excellent has the idea of a path. The Apostle Paul is making a path for us to follow through. It's not just a way, but it's a path. And a path is, is well uh, directed and detoured through places that you can go, that you, it's easy to find your way. So that's what, what he is trying to say. And so I've had a lot of contact. I've had contact with people in, uh, in Virginia Beach, in Jackson, Ohio, and uh, not so much since we're here, but people that got involved with, with the Pentecostal uh, movement and, of course, that is speaking in tongues. Now, I would like to tell you what I learned from this speaking in tongues. And, and uh, there are people that think, yeah, well, the Bible says that we should, we should talk in tongues. Even the Apostle Paul, he said, I speak with tongues more than anybody. Than you all, he said. I speak with tongues. Now, there are a certain type of people that come around and say, just like the pagan people, the pagan people, they have to go to their idols and they have to work themselves up in a, in a jiffy or something and pretty soon they start talking things that they can't understand. So people are saying, we need to speak, speak in tongues. If you want to know God's will for your life, speak in tongues and when you speak in tongues, you will understand God's will a whole lot better in your life. So I say, oh, is that right? Is that right? Why is it that people that speak in tongues, now get me when I say this, why is it that people that say that they speak in tongues can disobey the scripture and it's all right? 
The people that speak in tongues can get a divorce and remarry simply against what the Bible says, but they're in the will of God more than they've ever been because they speak in tongues. Somehow that confirms that God is blessing their life. Is that right? Is that so? That now you, because you speak in tongues, you can disobey the written word of God. How can that be? That was one of the things that helped me to understand what, why the Apostle Paul's concern was so as it is. Then I go back into, into uh, the book of Acts. And that's where a lot of people say, that's where we should, we should speak in tongues because that's what they did in uh, the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit was given. They spoke with tongues. Yeah, do you know how they spoke with tongues? The miracle of speaking in tongues, there was that men from all different places were at that particular place. And when they began to speak in tongues, every man heard them speak the glory of God in their own tongue. Now, where was the miracle? I think these people stood, uh, spoke in their own language. But God came along and interpreted what they were saying to people that were from Greece or, or, or wherever, other countries or locations where the people spoke a different language, but they were able to understand. I believe that's what speaking in tongues was there. It was not just a gibber that their own people couldn't even understand. Their own people understood it. God interpreted it to the people that were not there. You go back into Acts chapter 10, and you find Cornelius praying and doing certain things, giving alms, and, and God heard him. Even though Cornelius was not a Jew, he was not, we would say maybe he didn't understand salvation. And so he was praying, and God told him to go over to where Peter was, and Peter lives by the seaside in, in Simon the Tanner's house. He said, go over there and get this man and bring him back. While they were going over, Peter, at Simon's house, went upstairs while lunch was being prepared. He went upstairs, and while he was upstairs, he fell into a trance. And this trance, he saw animals coming down in a sheet. And he looked at them, and the voice said, Peter, rise and eat. Peter said, no way. I'm not going to eat that, those animals because I have been, been taught in the Jewish law that some of those things are bad to eat. They're not good for you. They're not common. And then God said, Peter, what I have cleansed, that call that thou not uncommon. Oh, wow. This is a new revelation for Peter. And so God said, Go downstairs, and you will find men that are coming to seek thee, and follow them wherever they go. 
wherever they want you to go. So he went down, and when he got down there, here were the men. Miracle upon miracle in Peter's life. And, and he, he said, what do you want? And so they told, told him about Cornelius, that he had been praying, and he sent these men over to get Peter to come to his house. And so Peter, God told Peter to go with them, asking no questions. Wow, that was, that, that's a strange thing when somebody called us up and said, you come into our neighborhood because I have something to show you, and I know that this neighborhood is, is uh, wicked. But he said, go. And so Peter went with them. They got over to his house, and Cornelius went up to meet him. He said, Peter, well, he f- actually, he fell down and started worshiping Peter. And Peter said, no, no, don't do that. <coughs> And he said, why, why did you call me? And then Peter, uh, Cornelius told Peter how he was praying. God showed him what to do. And so he said, come on into the house. And they went into the house, and there were lots of people gathered around there in Cornelius' house. And they said that God told us that you had something to tell us. And so Peter understood why this sheet was let down. He said, the Gentiles were unclean. And it's not normal for the Jewish people to go in with the Gentile people and converse with them. So God has said, it's going to be all right. So he went in there and talked to the people and explained the plan of salvation, the wisdom of God. And then he asked them whether they've received, I'm not sure how it goes, but so much about receiving the Holy Spirit. And, and they did. They received the Holy Spirit, and it says that they spoke with tongues. And so there they say, there it is. We need to speak in tongues. But the very next verse there says that they heard every man explain or, or give praises unto God. And if the person was speaking in a tongue that nobody could understand, then how could they hear that they were giving praises unto God? You explain that to me. If you can. I don't think you can. That was, was, I don't know if different nationality people were there or not. But every man heard them speaking in tongues, giving praises unto God. So there are two prime examples of, of what uh, speaking in tongues is. And Paul said that I speak with tongues more than ye all. And I think what he was saying was that I know more languages than you guys know. So he, was speak- he knew a lot of languages. That was his speaking in tongues. I think that's what he has reference to. Now, going into chapter 14, there's a lot of things in there that I don't really confess to know or understand. But now we're going into chapter 13, and, it's, and I'd like to show you here that there are five, I think, five things here. And the word though is mentioned five times, and I'd like to use that word Though, as a different person for each though. Number one, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become 
as a tinkling cymbal. And nobody likes to hear a man that just rambles or can, or can, can really, I shouldn't say ramble, a man that can really lay out the scriptures, speak in tongues, and he's got all kinds of things, but he doesn't have love. Okay, so I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I, another man says, though I have to get the prophecy. I mean, this man with prophecy, he can go back into Daniel, he can go back into the Old Testament scriptures, and he can tell you just all, he can lay out prophecy like no other man can. And people marvel at his, his knowledge that he has in prophecy. Great man. But if he doesn't have love, it it doesn't do him any good. It's nothing. And he goes to another man. he He has the gift of prophecy and understands all mysteries. Look at how, how great this man is there. Understands all mysteries. There's nothing a mystery to him. And all knowledge. Now the third Third man, and though I have all faith, now this man, you love to be around that man. He's got enough faith that he can just pray over things, and things really begin to happen. I mean, everybody looks at this man as a powerful man. We want this kind of man in our church. We need that kind of man. That when he prays, the fire of God falls. He just has faith. Mountains are removed. When he prays over you, mountains are removed. And oh, he's, he's a wonderful man. But he takes all that glory to himself. He has stolen somebody's lunch. But because, this is the reason, because he does not practice that love that he tell, talks to us about in 1 Corinthians 13, and Lord willing, I'll go on in that maybe the next time. Do I? Okay, number three. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I mean, this, this, this is a rich man, a rich man in the church, and whenever feed the hungry, whenever we take up an offering to help people, he willingly gives a lot of money. But maybe he doesn't give too much in comparison to what he has. As some, someone that's poor and gives, like the woman that gave all that she had. But this man, neither does he have have uh, love. But he, oh, he helps the poor. And, and he's, he, it, it looks like he would give his body to be burned. But he doesn't have love. He has not charity. It profits me nothing. Now, when you take five and add one, you have six. When you take five and multiply it by zero, 
You have zero. Or maybe I should uh, add addition in there. If you take five and add one, you have six. But if you take five and add, uh, multiply it by zero, it completely takes everything away. And so I think that is what Paul is trying to tell us in the church. If we don't have love in what we do, and love, it's the divine love. Now there's different kinds of love that people have. There's, you wonder what kind of love it is when, I don't think the Bible really explains this, but today people have more love for their animals than they do for their children. And sometimes people even would rather have dogs than children. And then there's the philea, which is like a family love. You love your brothers and sisters. You love your mother and father. But that, doesn't, that, that kind of love doesn't really reach out maybe to the unlovely. It's hard if you just have that kind of love to love the unlovely. But when you have the agape love, that reaches out to anybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his best, his very best that he had, he gave so that you and I could be redeemed, so that we wouldn't have to live in sin, and so that we can glorify him and live for him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that true love? Why, sure it is. So, what is good? It's good to be in a church that has all these things. What is better? Better is to seek the gift that, that God has given you and to use it in showing love, in being what God wants you to be. And the best is to be humble. To be humble. God cannot work with proud people. God cannot work with people that steal somebody else's lunch. Those people, actually, the rules are that they should be spanked. So, did we learn anything? Well, the Apostle Paul said that this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In the past, we haven't all made the best choices in life, and we haven't always been the most loving people. But maybe we... we tried to show that we do have a gift and you ought to respect my gift. Now, I know that we wouldn't say it in those kind of words because they would seem to be too uh, exalting self and things like that. But I believe that this morning we really want what is the best. Not just choosing that which is 
evil, choosing not to do that which is evil. But we want to choose for our life what is the absolute best thing. And that is to know God's will. To know when God speaks to us. Paul also says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's so wonderful way of following the Lord when we have the peace of God that controls us. When we're not following his will, we don't have that peace. So it's, it's a way of God telling us, come closer. I want to show you better things. The best things in life are found in Jesus Christ the Lord. Thank you for your time. May the Lord bless you as you go from here with seeking that which is best. And don't be, Paul says, don't be deceived by those that think that they know the will of God because they speak in tongues. That is, that is a wrong way to follow. Let's show we bow our heads for prayer. Our Father, this morning.